well. This is in, in our Lord's ministry. It's one of the miracles that he performed. The Bible said it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Every time I read that passage of scripture, I want to say, Lord, don't touch him. Don't touch him, Lord. Uh, leprosy was a communicable disease in that day. It was contagious. And it's almost like you want to say, Lord, don't do that. Lord, you're liable to get the leprosy on you. Well, there was no danger in the leprosy getting on the Lord. Amen. What happened when the Lord touched the leper, what the Lord had got on the leper. Amen. And that was wholeness and righteousness and purity. And, and the Lord touched him. He said, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Now, can you see this in your mind's eye? A leper standing there petitioning the Lord. And the Lord hears his petition and he reaches out and touches him. And just like that, I mean, immediately the leprosy departs from him. Verse 14, and he charged him, the Lord did, to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more, the Bible said, verse 15, there went a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Now, I wanted to read this passage about this leper in Luke chapter number 5. Whom the Lord touched him, his leprosy departed from him. And then there went about a fame, there went about, they noised it abroad. They talked about the Lord's ability and his power. How he was able to cleanse even a leper. Now go with me to Luke chapter 17, verse number 11. And we pick up here, there's another account of our Lord healing and cleansing. He cleansed 10 lepers in Luke chapter 17. The Bible says in Luke 17, verse number 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, we read that a lot of times, and we just take that for granted, that that's the Lord, the way the Lord's doing it. But you need to be mindful that Jerusalem is down here, Samaria's about right here, and, and he's coming down through there. He comes through, coming down this way to Jerusalem, and he passed right through the midst of Samaria. And you remember in John chapter number 2, the Lord said, I must needs go through Samaria, and that's where he met the woman at the curb of Jacob's well that had been married five times, was shacking up with a man that wasn't even her own husband, and the Lord gave her a drink of water that she never has got over. Now that's not the only time the Lord passed through Samaria. Here in Luke 17, he's coming down to Jerusalem again, and the Bible said that he passed through the mist of Samaria and Galilee. Now he's coming right down through there. Look at verse 12. The Bible said, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men uh, that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, why did these ten men come out to meet the Lord Jesus? Why in the world did they come out to meet Jesus and not somebody else? I personally believe that according to Luke 5, the fame, the ability, the power of the Lord Jesus began to be noised abroad. And evidently, it had reached this leper colony, as it were, in Luke chapter 17. 
Ten men, friend, they come out to meet the Lord Jesus, and the Bible said they stood afar off. Now, most of us, we're familiar with this. Leprosy in the Bible is a picture and a type of sin. It's a picture and a type of sin. And you see these leprous men, they're standing afar off. And according to the Bible, that old leper, he had to wear a covering over his upper lip. And he would cry, unclean, unclean, anytime anybody would approach him. Now, here they come, ten men. The Bible does not tell us what their previous occupations were. One might have been a lawyer. One could have been a banker. One could have been a pauper. The Bible doesn't say. You see, it makes no difference. Leprosy has put them all in the same common lot. And there they are, ten leprous men. And there was no cure for leprosy in that day. And there's no cure for leprosy in 1995. There never has been a cure yet, even with all of our medical science and our antibiotics and all that we've got today, there's no cure for leprosy apart from a divine miracle of God Almighty. Now, they probably heard about the leper in Luke 5, but that was cleansed. You reckon that leper in Luke chapter 5 began to go everywhere telling every other leper, Man, if you ever hear Jesus is a passing Amen. through your town. Amen. If you ever hear that Jesus is coming by your town, get out there to him. Make a plea to him. Cry to him. He cleansed me of leprosy. Now, that's a probability that might have happened. I, I don't know. But for some reason, these lepers in Luke chapter 17, they desired an audience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I know, I personally believe they heard about the ability of the Son of God. Now watch this in verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, they said, Master, have mercy on us. Now, friend, you don't read in that Bible. Anytime a sinner or a leper or a blind man, you remember in Mark chapter 10 how blind Bartimaeus, he sat by the roadside of begging, and when he heard that it was Jesus passing by, Bartimaeus said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible said, and the sun stood still. When an old sinner, if you will, a blind man or a leper gets to cry out for mercy, it always gets the attention of the Son of God. And that's what the sinner needs in 1995. Sinner, you don't want God's justice. You don't want God's justice. If we got God's justice, we'd all be in hell this morning. But what the sinner needs his mercy mercy and I see these ten men standing there and they've all got leprosies leprosy and they're standing afar off that's the sinner's condition he's afar off from God almighty he's separated by sin but these men go to crying for mercy mercy they said Jesus a master have mercy on us and he did friend Amen. and when the sinner gets to cry out for mercy Amen. God will always Amen. show it Amen. 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 now Amen. you notice here the Bible said in verse 13 they cried out Jesus master have mercy on us in verse 14 said and when he saw them and when he saw them the Bible said he said unto them go show yourselves unto the priest and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. I don't read that too fast. I see these ten men standing there and they've got leprosy. And uh, they think that they're getting the attention of the Lord Jesus. 
And they think probably it's an accident he's passing by where they're at. And what a, what a coincidence. But little did they know, Jesus knew where they were. Jesus knew about these ten lepers. And he's passing right through their village. And he makes himself accessible unto these ten men. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they begin to cry out. And, and the Bible said, And when he saw them, he knew where they were. He heard their cry. He's made himself accessible unto them. Now, when he saw them, he said unto them, This is kind of unusual here. Notice what he did. He said, Go show yourself unto the priest. Now, that's what he told them to do. Let's say that they've heard about that leper's healing in Luke chapter 5. If they heard the testimony of that leper in Luke chapter 5, that leper said, Jesus has got to touch you. Jesus has got to touch you. For that's how that leper in Luke 5 got healed, wasn't it? The Son of God touched him, and immediately the leprosy departed from him. Now, these few lepers in Luke chapter 17 are standing there. They cried for mercy, and the Lord heard them, but he didn't touch them. He did not touch them. He just said, go. And show yourself unto the priest. Amen. Now can you see a little confusion reign? Do you see one of the men standing there and he said, he didn't touch me. Bill, did he touch you? Bob, did he touch you? Jim, did he touch you? And they said, no, he's not touched any of us. And uh, the Bible said that, that the Bible said and it came to pass, verse 14, and it came to pass. Now that implies there's a little hesitation right there. Yeah. Uh, they said, well, wait a minute, he hadn't touched us. Uh, uh, this thing's not happening just like the other leper may have told him about. I see one of them all of a sudden say to the other, said, well, what have we got to lose? I mean, he said, go show ourselves to the priest. Let's just obey his word. Let's step out on his word. And your King James Bible said, and it came to pass that as they went, it did not happen until they responded to the word of God. And when they received that word and they responded to that word and they stepped out on that word, it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And friend, there's a picture of salvation by faith, a cleansing by faith in the word of the Lord. Now, you got to see what I'm trying to picture here. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, Brother Buster, I was under conviction three months before I got saved. And that's possible. You might have been under conviction a year before you got saved. But hey, that doesn't mean that every other sinner's got to stay under conviction a year to get saved. And I've heard people say, well, I shouted when I got saved. I cried when I got saved. I felt this and I felt that. Well, that's good and that's probably true. But that doesn't mean every other sinner has got to act just like you acted when they get saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. You can find in that Bible there's at least three different blind men that Jesus healed. Blind Bartimaeus. He healed him. He said, thy faith hath made thee whole, Bartimaeus. Thy faith hath made thee whole. There was another blind man where Jesus spit on the ground. And he made some clay of spittle and anointed his eyes and said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash and thou shalt come seeing. And he did and he came seeing. Can you imagine getting all them blind men in a testimony service of how they got healed of blindness? 
And old Mark Tomatoes should jump up and say, Thy faith hath made me whole. You've got to have Jesus say, Thy faith hath made thee whole. While that other one would jump up and say, Wait a minute, Mark Tomatoes, you're wrong. You've got to have Jesus make mud balls and put them on your eyes. And you have to go to the pool of Siloam and watch. Do you see what I'm saying? That those blind men all got their eyes open. And the way they did it, they had a head-on collision. They met the living Son of God. Amen. And I'm trying to get you to see, he doesn't always do it in the very same identical way. But he does it. He does it. He does it. Amen. Salvation is not an experience. Amen. Salvation is not in a feeling. Salvation is in the person of the Amen. Lord Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. Now, I can see him standing there. Nothing's happened. These ten lepers. All of a sudden, one of them said, let's go. Let's just do what he said. And brother, as they went, they were cleansed. A response to faith. Now, look here in verse 15. And one of them, one of them, only one, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice, I like this boy, Amen. and with a loud voice, he glorified God. Amen. And he fell down on his feet. He fell down on his face at his feet, Christ's feet, giving him thanks. Notice how the Holy Ghost put this in. Notice how the Holy Spirit led Luke to write this down. And he was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. Now they all, in Jesus, verse 17, answering, said, We're not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? The Son of God asked that question. God in the flesh. Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? You see, ingratitude bothered the Son of God. Ingratitude bothered the Son of God. Now, Dad used to preach from that text, not almost cheer him. He'd preach on, where are the nine? Where are the nine? On a good Sunday night, when about half the church didn't come back from Sunday morning to Sunday night. And he'd say, well, one's over yonder at the flea market, and they've gone over to the beach, and one's in the mountain. And some have just stayed home to watch I Love Lucy. And Daddy would try to find the nine It didn't come to the house of God. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. Ingratitude. Ingratitude bothered the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, we're not being cleansed. Where are the nine? In verse 18, they are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. Underline it. If you write in your Bible, you see he's called a Samaritan. And then Jesus said he was a stranger. He was the only one that came back to give thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And Jesus said in verse 19, and he said unto him, only one man, only one, only the Samaritan, clean stranger that came back. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, ten got what? Cleansed. How many got made whole? Help me. Huh? Ten got cleansed, but how many got made whole? One. So now you're listening, you're looking at me like, preacher, watch what you're going to say. Well, you must understand this, and we'll try to pick this out at the close of the message. Hang on to this statement. Everybody in that Bible, everybody in that New Testament that experienced a miracle, that does not necessarily mean they were believers and they got saved. Right. You'll find there were 5,000 that was fed with the five loaves and the few fishes. You'll find many, many saw the miracles. Many of them followed him for the fishes and the loaves. Right. And everybody that 
experienced a miracle in that Bible does not necessarily mean they were believers. And you know what you got today? You got people bragging more on a miracle. I hear people testify and they brag on a miracle, on a miracle, on a miracle more than they do their own personal salvation. I mean, hey, thank God if you've experienced a miracle, but don't elevate a miracle above the salvation of the Lord, friend. For Dr. Lawson told us this morning and how true that Satan is able to counterfeit miracles. Satan can counterfeit miracles. That's right. Amen. Now hang on. You listen. Let's stay with me now. Don't leave me now. Hang with me. And what I want to preach on this morning with the help of the Lord, I want to use this one Samaritan leper that came back, this one stranger that came back, and I want to preach on an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude that we desperately need in these last days. Ingratitude is so common today. Matthew Henry said, he said it's as common as the everyday cold. I've never seen so much ingratitude. Now you expect that out there in the world. You expect that out there among the lost world. But ingratitude has bled over into our churches. And there's so much of it for you. Now, whatever happened to just saying thank you, I appreciate that, God bless you, and just common Christian courtesies, about all that's gone today. Did you know that? And ingratitude is prevailing in these last days. And there's a reason for that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3. Paul said this, Know also in the last days peerless times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unthankful. You see, ingratitude is a last day sin that is running rampant across our country. I've never seen a day like it when so many people are ungrateful and unthankful. That's right. Even Christians, friend, I'm afraid some of us have not near got over being saved by the grace of God. And we're kind of like uh, that story that I heard years ago, Brother Robert Bolden, uh, Brother Bob Bolden and Kingston told this. There was a man running down there in Kingston for the road commissioner years and years ago. And uh, he went down to a farmer friend of his and he said, uh, called him by name, said, you going to vote for me? I'm running for commissioner. Well, he said, I believe I will. I, I believe you're a good man, you're honest man, I'm going to vote for you. So he voted for him. And four years later, this, this man come up for, you know, re-election to run again. And he went down and seen the same farmer. And he called him by name and said, you're going to vote for me this year? And he said, well, he said, I don't know. And the politician said, well, I've been good to you. Said, I got you, I got your road paid. And I got your brother a job or your sister a job. And the old farmer said, yeah, I know you did that for me way back yonder. But he said, you've not done nothing right lately for me. You've not done nothing right lately for me. And that's about the way a lot of Christians act toward God Almighty. Uh, they, they appreciate what he did way back yonder. But they don't think God's done anything right lately for them. I'm going to tell you something, friend, before you ever opened your baby blue eyes this morning, before you ever opened your brown eyes, God was loading you with, a, hey, I'm talking about benefits for this day. God's blessed us beyond measure. And Dad used to say we're like a bunch of hogs underneath an acorn tree. And we eat and we eat and we eat and we never look up. 
to see where the blessings are coming. Amen. Amen. Ingratitude, devil. Amen. I see it a lot in young people. I see it in moms and dads. I see it in marriages. I see it in homes. I see it in churches. Amen. Ingratitude. I'm a, this generation today thinks everybody owes them something. Amen. Amen. This generation today thinks everybody owes them something. You need to get your head screwed on right, friend. I mean, you need to get your head screwed on right. Oh, you say, Brother Buster. Yeah, I mean, kids are ungrateful today. Moms and dads will sacrifice and do without. And so their kids can have, you know, decent clothes. And they try to get them the best they can. And young kids act like that's not enough. Amen. I mean, they just that's not enough, Mom and Dad. And, and a lot of wives are ungrateful for a good working husband. And a lot of husbands are ungrateful for a good wife that cleans the house, takes care of the babies. Amen. And they do so much ungratefulness. Amen. Amen. It's everywhere. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, friend. I'm glad God got me a wife. God got me one. And she's here this morning, and I brag on her when she's in the services and when she's not. I'm glad I don't have to come home. You hear me? I don't come home and have to kick dirty clothes out of the living room and, and have to go into a pile of dishes to the ceiling and, and, and man come home to a dirty house. I'm glad I've got a good wife. She cleans the house. She knows how to cook. She knows how to sew. She, she's just a good wife. And I like to thank her for that, and I like to praise her for that, and give her glory while she's in the services. And hey, I'm going to tell you ladies something. If you've got a good husband, he goes out there on that workforce Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. He may come home and his fingers are grimy. He may be a mechanic. He may be a block mason. He may have a hard job at the computer, and that's hard on your mind. Gives you headaches. And uh, but hey, if he goes out there, he works and he labors. Uh, hey, wife, you ought to be thankful for a husband that comes home and pays the bills. Uh, and he doesn't slap you around. And he's not a drunk uh, or a whoremongering devil. Uh, you ought to say thank you, God. Amen. 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 Some of you kids could have been raised with a whoremongering dad. You could have been raised with a whoremongering mother. Uh, some of you kids could have been raised in, in certain other types of environments. Some of us are just not grateful. Amen. Not grateful. Now, this, I don't get to come once a year now, so hang with me, okay? <laughs> hang with me. This attitude, now listen, you know, doesn't it, doesn't it hurt help you when somebody, when you do something for somebody, just like opening a door. You open a door for a lady at the Walmart or the Kmart, but you don't find many ladies no more. Most of them are just women. They ain't not many ladies no more. But if you dare to open, most of these girls today, I see them, they got these combat boots on, and they got the socks rolled down, and they got these shorts, and they're rolled up, and their sleeves are rolled up, and honest to goodness, I don't know whether to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, what you are. And you know, they, they run around like hikers. I mean, all this stuff today. But if you open a door at the Walmart or the Kmart, doesn't it do something for you when the lady will say, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Amen. Just expressing gratitude. Right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. We need nothing curdles the milk of human kindness. Nothing solidifies. Nothing hardens the milk of human kindness like ingratitude. Amen. Even my dogs... Wag their tails. My <laughs> dog can't say thank you, my old chow. And my, that collie out there, old lady, lady and that, that chow. They can't say thank you. 
She know what I can go out there and do? I can go out there and paddle that fence and said, Lady Chat. They say, Lady and Princess, come here. You know what they'll do? <laughs> Nussle up on that fence, jump up there, lay my hand down that old child, take that tongue, lick that hand. Old Princess or that old that collie, lick that hand. You know what they'll say? Thank you. Thank you. Even your dog wags his tail. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing solidifies the milk of human kindness. And we need a baptism of this. We need a river full of it to come through our homes and through our marriages and through our, our churches Amen. from the pulpit to the back door. Amen. I mean, in all four corners, we need a revival of an attitude of gratitude. Now, I want you to go with me quickly. We're going to travel through these verses and I'm through. I want you to see what a real attitude of gratitude is like. Look at this old leper here in verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed. Now, do you get the picture? Here they are. They're all ten of them standing there. Nothing's happened yet. Somebody said, let's just obey his word. And they take off. And they're running down toward the priest. And they go down through there, Brother Lawson. All of a sudden, somebody stops and says, hey, hey, Bob, you're clean. Hey, Bill, look at you. And they're all standing there looking at one another. And, and the Bible said, and when that one Samaritan leper, when that stranger, Amen. when he saw that he was clean. Amen. It's almost like he felt like the others were deserving of it, but he himself felt very undeserving of the benefit and the grace that he had just received. You see, an attitude of gratitude is conscious to recognize. It's conscious to recognize that, that it's just received a benefit. It's just received a blessing that it was not deserving of. You feel like you owe a debt to grace? Do you feel the indebtedness to the grace of God hovering over you every day? Amen. Do you feel like we have seen that song this morning? Part of that song has talked about that. I like we're debtors, debtors to the grace of God. I was reading behind old Bishop J.C. Ryle. And Bishop J.C. Ryle said this. He said, it's the man or the woman or the boy or the girl that's saved by grace who will daily meditate upon this. That they deserve nothing but hell. They deserve nothing but hell. He said, this is the man, woman, boy, girl who will be daily praising and blessing God Almighty. Amen. Now, I don't mean this in the wrong way. And I'm not trying to be hard, but look at me. Every one of these senior saints in here, my mama's here. Her hair's turned the color of frost. There's senior saints in here. And uh, hey, they don't deserve heaven. They don't deserve the goodness of God. Every grandmother and granddaddy in here deserve to be in hell. Every young person in here, my children included, they deserve to be in hell. I deserve to be in hell. You deserve to be in hell. And anything apart from hell is a divine blessing of God. Amen. 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 I'm telling you this. You say, preacher, I just got to report this week I've got cancer. Brother Buster, I just got the report this week that how can I be thankful? How can I be grateful for that? You can thank God it didn't come only 10 years ago. Amen. You can thank God it's way done to now let this come in your life. I'm telling you, friend, if we go through life, and, and this is a tall order, I understand this. The Bible said in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerned. In everything. You see, an attitude of gratitude is conscious to recognize. That something's just been done for it, for him or her, that they do not deserve. Amen. 
And that's what's got wrong with us. God has been so good to us, church. God's been so good to us people here in America that we have got accustomed to the blessings of God. And there's not much anymore that stirs us. We take it for granted. You take, I'm going to tell you, some of you take this church. You don't mean to, but you take your church for granted. You take your church family for granted. You take your pastor for absolute granted. A man of God that studies and lays and labors in that Bible to feed you. And some of you, you say, Brother Buster, how can you judge us like that? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not your judge. But Christian people today have a strange way of showing their gratitude. Well, you say, I'm grateful. Well, well half of you didn't raise your hand. He's going to even come and hear you, Pastor, on Saturday night. you got a strange way about showing your gratitude. That's right. Well, you say, Brother Buster, I'll have you know I'm grateful. Well, I believe God wonders about some of us. Well, we won't be faithful to the house of God three services in one week. We have a strange way about showing our gratitude to God Almighty. Well, you say, Brother Buster, I love his Bible. I love his work. Do you read it? Do you read it? Do you meditate in it during the week? Do you read it daily? Do you hide its word in your heart? See, we have a strange way about showing gratitude. We talk a lot with our lips, but our lives don't display that real deep gratitude. Hang with me. This attitude of gratitude is conscious to recognize this old leper boy here. I can see him going all sinner. Them other nine, they say, come on, let's go to the priest. Let's go to the priest. This old boy stands there. It's like I can almost see him. He said he did it for me. He did it for me. It's like he can't get over when he saw that he was cleansed. When he saw that he was cleansed. I don't want to ever get over the fact that Jesus loved me and that Jesus died for me and that Jesus saved me. I don't want to ever get over Amen. Amen. We, we fast forward, we jerk, we get Apostle Paul, we say, hey, Paul, hey, Paul, 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 what motivated you? What caused you to go everywhere and preach the gospel where Christ was not named? What caused you to suffer all you went through, Paul? I believe he'd say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, for the love of Christ can Strength me. He never did get over it that the Lord saw fit to let him be a chosen vessel to bear the gospel of the Gentiles. Amen. And it motivated Paul. It motivated. Yes. Amen. It amazing people say, Well, I'm grateful, I'm thankful, but your pastor will ask for somebody to do something, you need somebody to do this, and you just about got to pull like pulling hen's teeth to get somebody to volunteer. Amen. Amen. Look up here. It ain't time to pray, Brother Blood. It ain't time to pray. <laughs> this attitude of gratitude is conscious to recognize. Number two, look at something else right here in this verse. The Bible said in verse 15, in one of them, when he saw that he was healed, what did he do? He turned back. He turned back. The attitude of gratitude is careful to return. Not only is it conscious to recognize, but it's careful to return to the source from which this blessing came. Now, some of you are pretty good theologians. You know what you're saying? You're thinking, wait a minute, he disobeyed the Lord. The Lord said, go show yourselves unto the priests. Is that what not Jesus said? And I see him get down the road. They see that they came to pass as he went. They were cleansed. And I see them shouting and carrying on it. And none cut a trail toward the priests down in Jerusalem every day. But this old boy, what was he? A Samaritan. He was a stranger. And you know what he might have thought? He said, wait a minute. Where am I going? The middle one of petition is not being torn down yet. How have access where they're going to Jerusalem to the priest? And you know, he, I don't know where he thought about all this or not. 
But you know what he did when he, he turned? And he come running back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And little did he know, they went to an earthly priest. But this old boy was coming to the great high priest who ever lived. Who's after that order of Melchizedek, as the preacher was talking about this morning. This boy didn't realize, oh, he is a doer. But freely he was careful to return. To say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Oh, I'm telling you, we need to be careful to return. Amen. I'll ask you a question. How long has it been since you went to your choir? Choir. You said, well, thank you. Good job you're doing the choir. How long has it been since you've been to one of the musicians? You said, thank you for playing the instrument of the Lord of God. How long has it been since you've been to the Sunday school teacher? So I want to thank you for studying to feed us in the Word. How long has it been since you've been to the janitor of the church? You say, well, we pay our janitor. I don't care what you do. How long has it been since you've been to the janitor? And I noticed this place was clean this morning. Coming here, it's clean. How, many, how long has it been since you went to your janitor? I said, thank you for doing a good job for the glory of God. You take a lot of this stuff for granted. For granted. How long has it been? I said, me, here's, here's what we're probably doing. We'll slide into that table, and, and, and Mama, I, not, I, talk, I call Barb Mom sometimes. She's a mom of my kids. Barb, I will slide in that table, man, there's okra, and there's corn, and there's ham, and there's green beans, and I mean, there's some, you know, there's some cathead biscuits, and, and we're sliding in that, and, and just, just gobble it up, and don't even say, I appreciate you fixing a good meal. Now, hey, you say, preach, you practice what you preach, won't you ask? She's here this morning. I mean, God wore me out this day about an attitude of gratitude, and I try to be thankful, and I try to express this. You know what some men are prone to do? They'll go to somebody else's house. And this other lady will fix meatloaf. <laughs> she'll fix meatloaf. And it's not a bit better than your wife's meatloaf. But you know what you'll say? Whoa, boy, I tell you, we're just looking for the best. I park right here. This is the best meatloaf I've ever had. Hello? You need to get that recipe. This woman is, it's a miracle. God, your wife don't take an iron skillet. It's flat as a pan. She's fixed you meatloaf hundreds of times. Probably not once if you ever thanked her. This is good preaching if I am a do it. I'm almost ashamed anymore. Of course, I just not, it don't ever happen here because I can. But I, I get in some of these meetings, you know, and I get through preaching, and folk will just flock around and say, oh, preacher, oh, pastor, oh, man, you fed us, you fed us, you fed us, like the pastor never has fed Don't you understand, I'm a hireling. I just come over and ask me to come. It's that man of God that feeds you Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, plays for you and your youngins, and, and, and carries that. That's the man of God you to be thankful for. Amen. I've been, I've been embarrassed with preachers Attitude, gratitude is careful to return. There's an old saying, it was a Chinese proverb that said, When drinking from the stream, forget not the spring from which it sprang. And while we drink from the stream of God's good blessings, let's not forget the spring from which it sprang. And that's Calvary prayer. And that's the cross where I blessed Lord and Savior. I see this old leper. He, now he's not been to any. He's not been to any worship classes. He's not studied behind the the, the, the different worship books. He's not. Uh, he's not even been to church a whole lot. I don't guess. All he knows to do is just come back and say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
And when he saw that he was good, when he saw that he was good, it's like he could see God doing it. The Lord doing it for all them other men. When, when he saw that he was good, oh, it just welled up in gratitude and gratitude. You see, it's careful to return. Now, I'm going to say this right here. I believe it's better to say thank you and not mean it than to mean it and not say it. Amen. I'm going to say that again. I believe it's better to say thank you and not even mean it than to mean to say it and not say it. Amen. Some of us men, you know what, we've been raised like this. We've been raised that we're just backward and and, and, and that never tell our wives we love them. One old guy said, I told her I loved her when I married her. If I ever changed my mind, let her know that. <laughs> well, your wife needs to hear that. Your, your wife needs to hear, I love you, honey. I love you. I'm not looking for another. I'm not flirting with any of you. You're the love of my life. She needs to hear it. Well, you say, I just ain't made up like that. Well, you need to get remade. Amen. You need to get an altar and let God remake you some. Amen. Put the water of the word in you and soften you up some. Amen. Wise likewise. And I tell you what, some men, if they came along with a dozen roses under the good Lord, their wife would faint. Or they'd say, and they call the preacher and say, he's drunk. You stand out here. Preacher, he's surely got to be drunk. He's got, two, he's got a dozen roses. You ever get a card? Little flowers, little things, little little balloons, little things. You say, <laughs> every now and then I come in, I get three, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. I go by Kroger's up there, stays open all night long. Here I am now, two hundred and none of your business. Twenty nine, and get me a, a balloon, and then get me a, a couple of cards, and then maybe a couple of cut roses, and all these guys are just looking, and I'm just screaming. They think, sissy, thank you, big old sissy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you, that stuff pays off. Hey, hey, hey. See, it's careful to return. And then the attitude of gratitude in verse 15 and 16. It feels compelled to recognize. It feels to compel to try to make a repayment. <clears throat> Don't you feel that way when somebody does something for you? Amen. Somebody graces you with something or they do something for you. It, it makes me feel compelled to recognize. Try to do something in return. You see, how do you come up with this in one of them when he saw he was healed? He turned back and with a loud voice. All he knew to do, all he knew to do, and I, I believe it was spontaneous. I don't believe this is something he thought about. I believe it was spontaneous. And, and he come back down that road with a loud voice. I looked that word loud up, and it means loud. <laughs> it means shrill. It means piercing even to the point of annoying others. I mean, some of that crowd standing around Jesus probably got annoyed this old <laughs> He come down, the, I can almost see him with both hands up in the air. Come down the road with a loud voice. And all he knew to do was glorify God. And he was making much of the God of Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob. And, and with a loud voice. Amen. Amen. Probably make some of them scribes and Pharisees stand around about half nervous. Probably embarrass some of the disciples. I don't know. This little boy had learned that. He didn't know he wasn't supposed to do like this in the church house. He just come down the road with a loud voice. Glory. Amen. You Amen. said, preacher, if I just got healed of leprosy, if I just got healed of leprosy, I'd be 
Christ got cleansed of leprosy. I'd have a spell too. Don't you understand? The Lord saved you uh, from amen. your sin, and saved you from hell, and, and sealed you with the power of the Holy Ghost into the day of redemption. And we just sit around most of the time. I, I mean, that's a novelty to us. That doesn't move us like it ought to be. Amen. amen. The bout got open. There's some boy watching. Yeah, he did it. He did it vocally, without voice. He did it visibly in front of God and everybody. I mean, right in front of God and everybody and the Lord and disciples. Here, he did it in front of everybody. And he did it by cases with a lot of spirit and a lot of life in him. He didn't just say, thank you, Jesus. He didn't just say, thank you. But with a loud voice. Can you see? Amen. With a loud voice. And I believe tears was coursing down that old Samaritan boy's face. And, and it come down the road. To, I believe he was a leaping and a hollering and a carrying on like a glorified fit. Amen. And, and, and the Bible said he fell at Jesus' feet and gave him thanks with an S on it. it he just, I believe he was continuing to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you say, preacher, I'm just not made up like that. Brother Buster, I'm not an emotional creature. I'm introverted. I'm reserved. I've been raised like this all my life. No, 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 no. There are certain things that tickle your fancy. And there are certain things that tickle your fancy. You know what? You get these old backwards men, country men. I mean, they act like they're so introverted. But let them be up there on a, on a December morning. And let them put the crosshairs of a scope and get ready to pull a trigger of a 30 6 rifle and there stands a, a buck out there and he's got looks like a rocking chair on top of his head <laughs> antlers are going everywhere and that guy's sitting there and he has to pray that Jesus will help him be still to shoot there and he pulls the trigger about half accidentally and that buck drops to the ground and when that guy realizes that he has killed that deer, you know what he'll do? I don't care if he's driving a Mercedes Benz. I don't care if he's driving a Jaguar. You know what the old boy's going to do? He's going to drag that deer out of there. He's going to put that sucker right across the top of his car. And he's going to drive through Knoxville, probably to Harriman and Kingston and McFarlane. And he'll scream, I got it! 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 Yeah, that's it. That's it. See, just certain things tickle people's pants. I've seen these introverted grandmas and grandpas, and I've seen these introverted moms and dads that can't say nothing. Let your little boy work the ballpark. Little, little shaver about this high. No, no grand slam. Not a home run. Not even a triple. Not even a double. Not even a, a base. A base. All he did just bunt. Wow, they'll come up out of there. That's my grandboy. Run, run. And shake that lady beside of you and shout from Dan to Beersheba over your little grass. <laughs> but we get on base. But we come to the house of God. The Lord Jesus knocked the grand slam at Calvary with a base as loaded. Praise God. He went Amen. back and got in it and walked. And he went back and got every one of them and knocked the grand slam at You know what? You can't get most Baptists to say. Amen. Amen. Act like the great we're gonna be late with Pentecostal. Charismatic. Charismatic. I wanna tell you something. Baptists were shouting a long Amen. time for the charismatic movie birth. Amen. Right. Amen. I like this little boy. He don't know no better. 
I like to give my meat to me. And, and cue him when he's coming through the door. <laughs> Can you see? I say, oh. I was reading the other day, there's an old writer. There's a Scottish preacher by the name of George Matheson. And George Matheson, he, he wrote the song, The Love That Will Not Let Me Go. The story behind all this is George Matheson was engaged to a beautiful young girl getting married. And just prior to the marriage, he found out. The doctors told him, they said, George, you're losing your eyesight. Within a matter of months, you'll be totally white. And he told his fiance that. You know what she told him? She said, George, I will not be married to a blind man. I will not be hooked up with a blind man to leave you around the rest of your life. And she broke the engagement off. And it was right after that that George Matheson wrote the song, The Love That Will Not Be you know what I was reading behind in his personal diary? George Matheson pinned this down. He didn't know anybody would be reading his diary. And he said in his diary, he said, Lord, I thanked you a thousand times for the roses of life. He said, I thanked you a thousand times for my roses. But he said, I've never one time thanked you for my fault, my personal blindness. But on that day, he wrote down that he'd given thanks to God for the fault of his life. And I, I read that and got your conviction. I mean, if a man can give God thanks for being alive, how much more can you have an attitude of gratitude? Now, last of all, and I need help on this, I'm open to suggestions in verse 19. Now watch this. Where's this old Samaritan boy? He's at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given him thanks. And I believe he's saying, thank you, Lord, that you did it for me. Thank you, Lord, that you did it for me. And we were the real strangers. We were the real Samaritans. Do you understand what I'm saying? We were the strangers from God as Gentile dogs. And if anybody, if anybody ought to fall down to the feet of Jesus, they say, thank you, thank you. Now look at verse 19. And he, the Lord Jesus, said unto him, he said, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee W-H-O-L-E. Now the attitude of gratitude, it's conscious to recognize, it's careful to return, and then it's compelled to recompense. But fourth, an attitude of gratitude is compensated by reward. It's compensated by reward. None of the nine got in on this. None of the nine that were cleansed got in on this being made. W-H-O-L-E. Now, now I'm going to give you something you can think about. You know what? That word... They tell me, and I looked this up, and I had some other men that helped me with this, but I looked it up in my Strong's Concordance. The word W-H-O-L-E right here. Get your Strong's Concordance down, look at it. It's the same word for S-A-B-B-B. Same. Check it out. Look at it. You said, Brother Buster, what are you trying to say? Well, they, I believe there was a possibility that nine were cleansed. And those other nine might have been, they might have been Jewish men. They might have been Hebrew men that were out there in, in, a, in a leper car. They went to the place they had access to this stranger, this Samaritan, who was also cleansed. I'm going to tell you what we think. We think we take sometimes this religious cleansing to be salvation. There's a, there's a parallel there. You don't know, I'm going to tell you, you can call me and correct me, 691-8017, get your strong recordings out, and look and see if it's not the same one. For SAD, you do. Now you say, preacher, what are you trying to say? Well, I got it. I got to look at all my commentaries. I got to look at everything that everybody had to say about this. And that's as confused as I was. 
Half of them said, boy, if I could half set it up. Now, I want to, I want to share this. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith, thy faith, and lay thee. And one writer said this. One writer said that physical cleansing was followed by spiritual enlightenment. <laughs> Another one said, uh, he said, he questioned, he didn't have anything. He said, was the man made whole, both in body and soul? And another one said, does it mean, and I like this, he said, does it mean, see, they all ten got cleansed of the leprosy. The leprosy was gone. But you know what leprosy does? Leprosy eats away at the joints. You've seen the pictures of leper colonies. You've seen the pictures of missionary slides, the slides of lepers. I preached in leper colonies in, in Dominique. And can you see fingers gone and the nose gone and the ear gone and maybe the toes off the foot gone? Yeah, he was cleansed. I can almost see maybe him down there with nubs. He's down to feet of Jesus and he's thinking, the leprosy's gone. But when Jesus said, Arise, thy faith hath made thee whole, an ear pops back on, the nose pushes out, and toes shoot out of the nub of the foot. Possibility. You say, Preacher, you left us in a state of confusion. Well, I hope it'll make you stay. Make you dig to help me. I do know this. Only one here. Now, this is what I'm driving at. The attitude of gratitude was compensated by the Lord. This old boy got a hold of something in this. He received something that other than the other nine didn't get a hold of. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you, I believe that's so in this dispensation. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about a second blessing. I'm not talking about a second work of grace. I'm talking about grace in work. Amen. You know who it is in the churches I watch? It's those that are always coming back to the Lord to say thank you, Lord. They're tenderhearted toward the goodness and the grace of God. And they're always coming back to say thank you, Lord. Thank you. It seems like they're the ones that are enjoying their, their salvation more than anybody else. <laughs> really. And can you imagine? Can you imagine this? Maybe later on those ten lepers got together. They had a, they had a little annual meeting, you know. Maybe they got together. Maybe they happened to meet down the marketplace. And them nine standing over there bragging about to cleanse it. This one old boy stands in the back. He said, hey, brethren, remember me? How's that Samaritan? How's that stranger? He said, I not only got cleansed. He said, I got made home. Amen. I don't know all the quiet. But I'm telling you what I want to be. I want to be a candidate with an attitude of gratitude to find out what happens. Amen. Keep coming back to Jesus. And say, Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. We, need, we need an attitude adjustment. We need an attitude of gratitude. God's been so good to us. I'm honest with the church. I almost sometimes feel ashamed. I God's been If God never blesses me again, God never touches my life, if he never blesses me again, I'd have to raise my hands all the time. Amen. And I want God to develop this in my heart toward brothers and sisters, my family, my wife. My mom's here today, and I appreciate her, her sister, and brother-in-law. You know, I believe it helped our churches. I believe it helped all of us. We just say, Lord, give me an attitude adjustment. Amen. Help me to have an attitude adjustment. Amen. very good to listen to this Thank you for your attention. I want to become a universal invitation. 
And maybe somebody here today lost. Lost. And you need mercy, silly friend. You need the mercy of the Lord. You need to call on him. You need to cry out to him and ask him for mercy. And I feel like this morning there's probably many of us, not just because I'm pleased, because of the truth, we need to come before God. Grandmas and grandpas and young people and moms and daddies. I tell you, you might need to just come back and say thank you. Thank you, Lord. You've been so good in my family. You won't help me to have an attitude of gratitude. Kids bow and they're playing softly. I don't know how to give the invitation. I trust the Holy Ghost to give it. I wonder if God said anything to me today. Or if God said anything to me. I think you'd like to take your wife by the hand. Take that young teenage boy and girl. Your family just gather in the altar and say, Lord, help us. Fill our home, God, with an attitude of gratitude. Tell you something, folks. We need to be grateful. Thank you. Somebody got good teenagers. I'm talking about you got good teenagers. They're trying to live for God. Moms and dads, you need to come in. You need to tell them you appreciate them. I don't know what all the Lord's doing in this invitation, but I just beg you to be obedient. Do you feel compelled to recompense to the Lord? Do you feel an indebtedness to the grace of God? you feel like you owe him so much? We can't pay him back. I understand that. We can't buy it back, pay him back. We can show him an attitude of gratitude. You just obey the law. Some have come to pray. I'm not here to put no high pressure on you. That old leper boy, that old Samaritan, that stranger, come back down that road and he glorified God. You know something, folks? God didn't have to save us. God didn't have to pass by our way. But he did. How thankful are we, church? How grateful are we? The goodness of the Lord is what led us to repentance. That's what the Bible said. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. We do, church. We owe him. Some of us have a strange way about expressing our gratitude. Won't you stand? People are still praying. Folk are still coming. Let's stand their feet. Help our brother sing a verse of this this morning. You need to come. Come on. Altars are open. Let's sing it. I am. 